So this morning we are continuing with the study of the life of Abraham and Sarah, and we're remembering how this whole story began with a promise. It began with God speaking to a man at that point called Abram. Later his name would be changed to Abraham. This man whose name literally meant father of many, whose name was changed to father of a multitude. A man who had no children. At age 75 and his wife was 65, God says, come and leave your family, leave your land, and go to a land I'm going to show you. I'm promising you, I'm going to give you this land, and I'm going to turn you into a great nation. You're going to have descendants that are more numerous than the stars in the sky or the sand on the sea. We've seen how God did bless Abraham, how God did protect Abraham, even when Abraham and Sarah were not always faithful to the Lord. In our story, we come uh, to chapter 15, where it really is sort of, in some ways, the pinnacle of the story, where this crisis of faith begins to happen, where Abraham, although he's believing God and has been trusting God and gone on this journey with God, ten years into the journey, he begins to doubt. He begins to question. Do you have doubts? Now, I'm not talking about maybe some of those big doubts. Maybe you have the big doubts. Does God even exist? I, we just finished our uh, week of God's existence in our, my intro to philosophy class where we're looking at arguments for God's existence, against God's existence. And a lot of the students, they have questions and they have doubts and they have concerns. Maybe you have some of those doubts. Maybe you have doubts about who is Jesus and is he really this real person? But for so many of us, it really comes down to those specific promises in your life. Do I have doubts that my life is going to work out? That my career is going to come together? That I'm going to actually have a family? That this marriage is going to work out? I, I have doubts about how things are going to accomplish my life. Now, some of you guys don't worry at all. Some of you guys are like, yeah, it's fine. I'm good. You just kind of, you're just kind of along for the ride. I don't get you people. I just don't. I just don't. I'm the one that's like, but oh my goodness, how is this going to come together? I don't know. I flip out all the time. But then it comes to God's promises. What about what God has said? I have plans for you, plans uh, to give you a hope and a future. What about those? Do you have doubts? Well, let's look at Genesis 15. God appears to Abram again. God comes to him again and has a very specific word. Let's look. It kind of sounds familiar. Chapter 15, after this, after the whole encounter with Melchizedek, after all of these provisions of God, the Lord came to Abram in a vision and says, don't be afraid. Stop worrying. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your very great reward. That's a pretty good promise. I'm your protector. I'm your inheritance. I'm everything to you. I will be, I am God Almighty. And I, I'm your inheritance. I'm your treasure. I'm your very great reward. I think Abraham was thinking, remember that stuff about giving me the land? I still don't really need the land. Remember that promise you made about me having lots of descendants and I would be this great nation? I mean, you're cool. God, I am so glad you are my shield. I am so glad you're my very great reward. But look at what Abraham says. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? I mean, you're great, but what can you give me since I remain childless? 
And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. That was his kind of chief steward, his main servant. Abram said, you've given me no children. So a servant in my household is going to be my heir. And there it is. Sure, God, you've been my protector. God, you've been with me. God, you've been my inheritance. But there's that one thing. That one promise, that thing that I, I've hoped for for all my life. Where, what about that? Is I, this is an unresolved longing of my soul that I, I thought you had promised. I thought you were giving. I thought would come to pass. It, it's been 10 years, and you never fixed it. What about that, God? Do you have something like this? Is there a dream or a hope that you have that, that's never been realized? Is there some goal, some achievement, something that you said, I, I saw my life going this way, and boy, that, that door just seems to not be there anymore. Is there some dissatisfaction, some place that you're just discontent, some place that's like, but isn't this part of what God would have for me? Like, or an unanswered prayer. I know many of you, you have prayed for those whom you love that you want them to know God like you know God. You want them to enter that relationship with him. You have those hopes for that family member, those children, those parents, those grandparents. You, you have those desires for that, that, that life-giving relationship with God to enter into their life. And you've prayed, and you have prayed, and you have prayed, and you have prayed, but it seems unresolved. And maybe it's been not just months, not just weeks, but years. Or with Abraham, a decade. And that wasn't the beginning, right, of his longing. It had been decades. And as he comes to this 85 years old, he's coming to a point where he's like, is this ever going to get real? Is this ever going to be fulfilled? Is this ever going to happen? The darkest days in my life were those moments where I actually begin to question God's goodness. God, why have you not fulfilled this in my life? I, I don't understand. This is part of your creation. This is part of the goodness. God, why did you never fix this? Why did you not answer this prayer? Some of you may have never been there, but if you've been there, I felt that too. And it caused me to question, caused me to worry, caused me to wonder, would God ever bring about his provision? Well, look, at, I want you to see this. God faithfully reminds us of his promises. God will speak to us consistently, reminding of what he has said, because that's just how good our God is. He faithfully reminds us of his promises. Look at what it says in Genesis 15. So the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man, Eliezer, will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then God takes Abram outside. I, I, how does that happen? I don't know. I mean, it's God like you know, grabbed him by the hand. I mean, was it just sort of this inspiration? Like, come, come on, get, get up, get out of your tent. I mean, sometimes we need to go outside when we're depressed. I, I don't know if you're like that, but I just need to go out and look around. I just need to get out of the house. I just need to see his glory. He, he takes him out of the house, and he took him outside and said, hey, look up at the sky. Count the stars. 
See, if I was Abram, it's like, now is that a literal command? Like, one, two, three. I mean, did, did he start counting? I mean, if indeed you could even count them, so shall your offspring be. Abraham, I promised you that your children would be as numerous as the stars of, this, of the sky. I promised you that they would be as numerous as the sand in the sea. I didn't forget my promise. I haven't forgotten. I am your reward. I am your shield. But Abram, I promised you, and let me just go ahead and restate it. Start counting. Start counting. Do you remember that old hymn, Count Your Many Blessings? Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what the Lord has done. Why do we do that? Sometimes we need to count how many times God has come through. Sometimes we need to count to remember all that God has brought us through. Sometimes we need to count on how many times he has spoken his words of hope to us and his truths to us. And if you haven't experienced that, I want to invite you today. Come on, join in. Experience what God has. I need to hear his word again and again. I need to hear his promises. So speaking of, how's it going on this thing? Remember our 50 days with Jesus? Not whole chapters. I mean, just little 20 verses or so each day. We need this. I need to be reminded of Jesus' words. I need to be reminded of his promises. I need to be reminded daily of who he is because I so quickly will be like, well, gosh, I'm kind of depressed today, so let's turn on Netflix or let's turn on the news. And I'm like, oh, that was a mistake. And I think we go to everything else as a source of strength instead of listening to him promise again what he has said. We need to hear it. Which of God's promises do you need to remember today? Which of God's promises do you need to hear again today? Is it, and I will be with you even to the end of the age? I am your shield. I am your very great reward. Is it the promise that says, look, I, I am the one who brings healing in, in your life? What are God's promises that you need to hear today? If you're not reading, if you're not spending time with his people, if you're not being connected, then you can't hear them. I need to hear them. We all need to hear them. God is faithfully speaking, and he's faithfully reminding us of his promises. But something else I want you to see in this passage, God unquestionably, and really I want to say emphatically, God emphatically restores our relationship with himself. He emphatically, boom, with an exclamation point, wants to say, look, let me demonstrate this to you. I am making a way for you to be in my presence, for you to be part of my kingdom, for you to be in here. Listen to how it happens in Abraham's story. Abraham heard the promise of God, believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This verse this one line is seen as sort of that penultimate moment, that, 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 that pinnacle point in the story of the life of Abraham where he had accepted the call of God. But now, in this moment of questioning, in this moment of doubt, as he hears the promise of God, he in faith responds. 
He, in faith, says, God, I do believe you are true. Your promises are true. You're going to come through. God, okay, I'm in. I believe. His faith in the Lord Jesus became that moment of choice where the credit of righteousness enters into his life, and it is a permanent deal. It is a done deal. It is a seal forever. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, this one who came out as a rabbi, who came out as one who understood the Jewish laws, understood and knew these stories even from a young age, that this rabbi who began to think, gosh, how am I going to earn God's forgiveness? How will I earn a status? How will I ever be good enough? Came to understand that was never the question. God promised eternal life. God gives us a relationship with him. God, in his righteousness, made a way for us to be righteous when we've already failed and not been righteousness. And so that God, in Jesus Christ, took your sins, and we believe what he has done, and it is credited to us as righteousness. Listen to how Paul says it. Look in Romans chapter 4. We're going to study this a little bit later. Glenn is going to lead us through this passage when it says, What will we say then about Abraham, our forefather in the flesh, discovered in this matter? The matter of salvation. The matter of relationship with God. It says, if in fact Abraham was made righteous or justified by his works, by how good a person he is, well, he had something to be boast about because he was so good, God had to accept him. But that's not true. He says, but not before God. Verse 3, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed. Abraham put his faith in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Do you see how it works? I tried to explain it this week in my class, in my New Testament class. I was trying to explain this very concept, and I said, guys, how do you get an A in my class? They all knew the answer. 465 points. You get 465 points, they can be bonus points, they can be in-class participation points, they can be exam points, they can be quiz points. Any way you get your 465, when you hit 465, you're done. If you get 465 tomorrow, you can go ahead and quit. Sometimes people have even gotten to skip the final exam because they did so well on everything. They're like, whew, I've already got 460 points, I'm done. Well, they need 465. But once you get 465, you're done. You can earn your way to an A. I say, class, what if I change the rules? Everybody's like, uh-oh. <laughs> what if we said that if you miss even one quiz question, if you missed even one exam question, if you just didn't show up one day and there was a quiz and you missed it, if you got one wrong, it's an automatic F, and if you get them all right, it's an automatic A. Everybody said, no. <laughs> no, no, no. There was panic comes across their faces. That's what the Apostle Paul's saying. He goes on in chapter 3, he said, For all have already sinned and fallen short of the God's glory. We, our works didn't get us there. Look at Romans 4. Now to the one who works, his wages aren't credited as a gift, but as an obligation. If you earned your salvation because you did a perfect job, then it's just, well, you earned it. But you already failed. We already missed a point. We already did wrong. We are already in the, you didn't make it to heaven or to relationship with God's status. So it says, however, to the one who doesn't work, but trust God, who justifies the ungodly, then their faith is credited as righteousness. God made a way when there was no way. 
God made us righteous. When, when we couldn't earn it, we weren't good enough. But God sent Jesus to die in our place. God sent Jesus to redeem and to rescue. Our faith is built on the fact that God keeps his promises, that God made a way. For Abraham, even though he heard this, even though he believed, well, he asked God for a sign. He asked God for a symbol of the promise. Here's how it says. He said to him, well, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham says, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that, I, that you're going to come through? How can I know that this land will ultimately belong to me? How can I know for sure? Just, is there some way that I could see it? Now, if I was God and I always kept my promises, whew, I don't know if I'd take that too well. But the Lord took it as an opportunity just to teach us about faith, but also to teach us about how God leaves us a sign. Look what it says. So the Lord said to him, here's what you're going to do, Abraham. Bring me a heifer, that's a big cow, right? A goat and a ram, each three years old, and a dove and a young pigeon. All right, we got a little, I don't know, it's like a petting zoo kind of thing going on here. All right, bring me one of these animals. And Abraham brought them and then cut them in two. Okay, a little, little gory. Um, and arranged the halves opposite of each other. The birds, however, he didn't cut in half. Okay, what was going on? Well, we're not real sure, but let's look what happened next. So when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces of the animals. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Okay. Well, why did God have Abraham take these animals, cut them in half, and, and make a vision of a fire pot and a, and a torch coming through? That just is weird. Well, okay. First of all, we don't see anything like this. This is somewhat unique. Back, go ahead and back up a slide, though, first. Um, uh, we don't see anything exactly like this uh, in, in any other culture. However, there were some cultures in the time of Abraham that did some similar things. Sometimes when there was sort of a treaty being given, like some of the Akkadians and others, when there was a treaty being made, a covenant agreement being made, they would do this very thing. They would cut an animal in half, and like one of the parties would like then walk between the two halves of the animal, and like, okay, see, I've walked through the death of the cow here, and so that means I'm going to keep my promise. It's like pinky. I like the pinky swear. Let's just pinky swear. You know, that seems so much cleaner. That just seems so... I, I, it's it's kind of like that. Some speculated it was like, look, if I don't keep my word made, what happened to this cow happened to me kind of thing. It's like, I'm promising you cross my heart and hope to die, you know, those kind of words. It was sort of like that kind of a covenant. Some believe it, it, it sort of points to the sacrificial system that would come later for the people of God when they're offering, typically, cows or rams or goats as a sacrificial offering, pointing to this idea that God was going to make a sacrifice for sins. Some believe it's there, though typically those were one-year-old and not three-year-old animals. What is this about? Well, 
we know that the fire pot and the torch might point to the symbol of God's presence, the smoke during the day and the fire by night, which God led the people out of slavery. Maybe this is an indicator of God saying, look, I am going to be with you. I am making a covenant. Your sins will be paid for. The land will happen. This, whatever it is, it was a dramatic, emphatic expression that God keeps his promises. He's making an agreement with you, Abraham. It's going to be costly. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to be for the whole world to see and understand, just like God gave you a sign. It's a sign to put your faith in. It's a sign to put your hope in. This sign is in his son, Jesus, who was nailed to a cross, more grotesque, more horrific than this sign, a terrible sign but a sign that God keeps his covenant that your sins have been paid for if you put your faith in Jesus. Your sins have been taken care of forever. The land is yours. Eternity is yours. The relationship with God belongs to you now. He is your shield and your very great reward because of the actions of our Savior. God has made a way. And now we become a sign to others. I don't know if you've picked one of these books up. They're out and about. It's called The 316 Promise. It's referring to what Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There it is. The promise of the land the promise of the relationship with God, the promise of your sins being taken care of. Maybe you want to take one of these during this moving towards Easter season, this Lent season, where we're thinking about the cross. Take one of these books and, and, and read through how that promise has been realized over and over again. Because when our God promises, he keeps his word. He reminds us of his truth. He has emphatically shown us that his truth is there. And then maybe pass it on. Maybe give it to someone else. Okay, take a couple copies. We ordered a bunch. Take a few copies and give it to a coworker, a friend, a son, a daughter, a relative. There you pass them on. They're free. If you need more, we'll order more. Um, let the good news of the sign of who Jesus is and the promise that God has made saturate our community and our world. Well, finally today, I want you to see this. God generously, he doesn't have to, but God generously reveals his plans. There's a little History of Israel kind of poster up there, maybe for kids. Looks like a little game board. Um, but there's a little History of Israel. Listen to how God does it in Genesis chapter 15. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into this deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And the Lord said, no for certain. Don't miss the phrase. Know for certain. I know you're questioning my promises. Know for certain. Know for certain this will be that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Know for certain. He goes on to say, but God will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. Uh, however, um, you, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. Verse 16. 
and in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. God went ahead and generously gave Abram a little glimpse into the future. Abram, I know I promised you this land and that you're going to have a lot of descendants. Here's the deal. You think that that's going to happen tomorrow or maybe the next year? I know you've been waiting 10 years and you keep thinking, when is this going to happen? It's actually a long time from now. 400 years from now. Your descendants are going to be slaves for over 400 years in another country, but they're going to come back as this vast people with wealth, and then they will possess the land. Okay, it's so interesting to me in the Bible how often God tells uh, prophets and others about the future. Jeremiah, hey, you're going to go into exile in Babylon for 70 years, and then I'm going to come back. So often God tells them about, hey, these other people, to King David, hey, you will have a descendant on my throne and your son will build the temple for me, but you won't. Why doesn't God tell us about, they're asking about their future, right? That's what I want to know. It's like, I mean, that's all cool and everything, but I want to know about my future. I want to know what's going to happen to me. It's so interesting. God is not one of those magic eight balls. God is not really the little fortune teller. God is not the palm reader to just say, well, okay, since you asked, let me go ahead and tell you. you know, you've been wondering when you're going to graduate from grad school. Okay, it's actually going to be in 2024. Oh, you were asking when you're going to get a new car. Well, that's actually, you know, right now there's a chip shortage and all that. It's going to actually be in 20. God's not really here to answer your, your questions like that. Why? Because God's called us to a life of faith that we trust in him. But God often speaks very much to the prophets about what was going to happen because he's trying to show he is in control. He has a plan. It's not his ideas are thwarted. He knows what he's doing. And so he has told us about not specific future for your life, but he's very much told us about his overall plans. Look in Romans chapter 8. This is one of my favorites. And we know that in all things that God is working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's his overall plan. God is using every situation, every circumstance, every difficulty, every obstacle, every blessing to work for your good, to accomplish his goal, to do something that is bigger in your life than you can imagine. And here's what it is. He defines the good in the very next verse. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. The faithfulness of Jesus, the faith of Jesus, the trust of Jesus, the hope, the love, the compassion, the the care, the strength that Jesus exhibited, you are to have in your life. God is taking you down a road. He is allowing, he's using even things that God didn't want in your life but that have come into your life, God still uses those to transform you, to conform you into the image of his son. Does that give you specifics? I don't know when you're going to get a new car. I guess God does, but he's not going to tell you. But God, what, it, what God is telling you is those car problems you're having, well, they might be teaching you patience. They might be teaching you trust. They might be teaching you to hope. Maybe you have much bigger problems than car problems. Maybe your problems involve something uh, much more like concerning and deepening and struggle of the soul. But God is using all things together for your good, to conform you to the image of Jesus. He is finishing his plans. So what do you need to hear this morning? 
Well, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just like God said to Abram, don't be afraid. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, God has promised to be with us. God has promised to be our support. God has promised to be our sustainer. No matter what difficulties or problems come. Paul says, what can separate us from the love of God? Can height or depth or angels nor demons nor the past nor the present nor the future uh, nor anything else in all creation? He says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do you have fears today? Don't be afraid. God's in control. He's got a plan. And that's number two. God has a plan. Paul says it this way, being confident, I am confident of this, that the one who began the good work in you and you and you and you and me will bring it about until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. God is finishing his plan for Valley Baptist Church. He's finishing his plan for you. Can I go ahead and put on my prophet hat for a second? I don't really have one because I don't really have a specific word from God. It's just I can always tell what's going to happen. There's just some things you just know. It's going to come. We, we as a, a few months ago as a church, decided to go forward. We decided that God is calling us as a congregation to, to, to start anew, to revitalize. We've been praying for God to bring new people to this congregation, and some of you are those new people. Uh, we've been praying that the Lord would work here. Can I tell you, can I tell you the future? Here's what I know is going to happen. There's going to be the, it's already been three months. <clears throat> Gosh, it's been six months. I, I've been kind of worried about this. And what, is anything, you know, when's this thing going to get turned around? It's going to happen. We're going to be like Abraham, feeling like, is there going to be, as God is laying his foundation in our lives, as God is beginning the work in here, there's going to be a little bit of, Lord, you know, I don't have all day. I mean, we've only got, and we begin to worry that God's plans or his purposes for us, that we weren't following or we weren't hearing. Brothers, sisters, we need to be those who are not afraid also are patiently knowing and working towards God's agenda. He has a plan. He has a plan. Finally, this morning you need to know that our relationship is secure. Just like God gave Abraham a very visible, dramatic sign, he gave us that very visible, dramatic uh, fulfillment of his promise in Jesus. Paul says it this way, God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to become sin for us through his death on the cross so that in him, in Jesus, when our faith is in him, we might now become the righteousness of God. Brothers, I don't know what's causing you to doubt this week. Sisters, I don't know what's causing you to, to fear this week. But our relationship, our place in the family, our inheritance, our reward is always secure. Because Jesus made it so. Not based on your works, not based on how good you are, but based on your faith in what he has done. So my question this morning, for some of you, have you ever given your life to Jesus? Maybe you just came in here this morning, it was your first time. Maybe you've been here many times. But have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Maybe this is your day. 
Maybe this is the one you're like, look, I, okay, I'm not sure. I haven't got it all convinced, but if this is for real, I'm in. And you're making the jump. You're saying, okay, Jesus, come into my life. I, forgive me. I'm yours. Is that you this morning? Is that you today? I'm going to be at the front. You're welcome to come, and I will pray with you. Or you can pray right where you are um, and just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. For the rest of us, what do we need to release to God again? To say, Lord, I know your promises don't fail, so I'm trusting you. You are making me like your son. I will be content with that. Lord, help me be patient with the fruit of your spirit as we wait for what you have promised to be fulfilled in this place and in us. Let's pray. Lord, you speak. You move through our midst with that covenant promise, that agreement that is based on your Son. Lord, grab a hold of our hearts. Change us. Finish the work you began as you promised to do. We know that your promises are always true. We wait for you. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You respond as God is calling you.